Welcome to the Rider Up Podcast, presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital, where we talk about how much we love bicycles. Dan's a crazy downhiller, and John will be walking with a cane in a few years. But nobody loves cycling more than these two. Coming to you from Virginia's Blue Ridge, let's meet the hosts, Dan Lucas and John Carlin. Hello once again, and welcome to the Rider Up podcast presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge. We are recording today at Cardinal Bicycle in Grandin Village in the city of Roanoke, Virginia, and I am one of your hosts, John Carlin, along with the great and fantastic... <laughs> Dan Lucas. Great and fantastic. I don't know about that, but I'll take it today. Uh-huh. Well, we were just talking about all the places that you have ridden your mountain bike, and I was like... Dan, I didn't know. I mean, should I even be at this table? <laughs> Whatever. Now, I, I've been very fortunate in my career, in the my very short um, flash of a career, to ride some cool places and meet some really cool people. So I appreciate right. that. It's, so we it's were just fun. talking about like you riding in, at, at Sea Otter or, or, or going yeah. to the Sea Otter Classic and riding the downhill there. Yeah, race the downhill. Right. Yeah, yep. race the downhill. I, yep. said, I said ride. I'm Sorry. Um, and and how did you do? I mean, that's a world-class uh, field. Man. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't uh, enter in, in pro or anything. I think I just entered in like Cat 2 Open or something. Uh-huh. I, I think uh, it was it was really funny. At the time, I was living in Fincastle. For any locals, Fincastle, Virginia is if it's, it's a if you blink, you will miss it when you pass through. Uh, the, I love Fincastle. Yeah, it's fantastic, but uh, small town. Anyway, I was I was living there, and uh, when I crossed the finish line, I was in at the time. Uh, I don't think this is where I finished, but I was in the top five, and I had a really good time. The Sea Otter Classic downhill is not uh, very technical, it, and it doesn't drop very far. I want to say it's like maybe three hundred feet. Okay, and. I crossed. I don't want to say I was like between third or fifth place, something like that. And the guy was like, and, you know, Dan Lucas um, riding for Airborne from Fincastle, Virginia, wherever that is. I just remember him vividly talking about how like, just not knowing where where that was, which is pretty funny. So. Wait, well, now, now, Fincastle is cool. All right. That, I mean, that yeah. it, it's it's this little town, and I, I'm not going to go off on Fincastle too. It's where Lewis and Clark started I, their expedition. I was going to give you that uh, that that. That uh, right. little piece of uh, history, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the courthouse was designed by none other than Thomas Jefferson. There you go. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's that old. It's that cool. And, it you know, is. Because it's this little town outside of Roanoke. Roanoke, as a city, is not that old. <laughs> no. It, it was kind of, it developed around the railroad. But Fincastle goes back to, like, you know, Daniel Boone. And, and yep. you know, yep. the, so, like, it was a frontier town yeah, back so in the Lewis day. Yeah, so Lewis and Clark literally walked um from that courthouse and started their journey, which is really cool. Right. So yeah. there you go. All right, that's all about Fincastle. Right. I'm sorry, people. If your you're history, local, your right. history facts of the day. All right. <laughs> so you were out. Uh, so we are recording now in February of 2023, and you were out uh, on the trails. Uh, with with the 360 camera because we promised people we that promised. we're going to develop this series of videos from yes. Carvin's Cove, which is our local mountain biking mecca. Yeah, and you recorded some stuff. What'd you do? I, I did. Um, so last uh, I, I did this last Monday. Um, met up with a couple friends. Um, I, I, now my goal was to not record what I did, but. But that's what I did. Uh, oh, okay. I st- I, we just met up. We went to Morningside Local Park here. Um, they have some new jumps. Oh, and, okay. Morningside. Sure. Yeah, Morningside. Right, right in Roanoke. Right okay. at the base of Mill Mountain. Yeah. And, and I, 
you know, I, I met up with a couple buddies and we decided to hit these new jumps that they have. Okay. So we went out and we, we sessioned some of the jumps and played around. It was pretty windy, but, um, I was like, you know what? I have the 360. Let's just see what this does. And I don't have the software to edit it, so I don't know what it looks like. I'll You're going to find I'll do that. I'll the editing if you ever bring my camera I, back I, to me. It is at my, I even put it on our, our little uh, sheet today. Uh-huh. Um, it is still at home. But um, It was my Christmas present this year. Well, I'm going to give it back. It'll be <laughs> I only a, owned it for like a month and a half. It'll feel new again when I give right? it back to okay. you. Okay. Um, so we did the jumps at Morningside, so we're going to see how that turns out. Um, additionally, we did a lap on Mill Mountain. My buddy Zach um, here in the service department and I just shuttled up to the top and I attempted to talk. I did get some audio as well. Um, okay. I have that on my phone and uh, I chatted on my way down and we, we rode down Mill Mountain, a little uh, so you section talked, of trail. So you talked people through the trail? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I attempted to. It was, okay. uh, you know, we, we just shuttled it. So we did one little rip and um, All right, well, we, yeah, we'll see you know, how it goes. I mean, that's become something that people listen to on podcasts yeah. as, as guys or gals or whatever, just put their, they, they put on a microphone and they mm-hmm. ride their bike and they talk about what they're seeing and what they're doing. And we did run one from what when I was riding yep. the Enchanted Forest over in Carvin's Cove and I don't you know I don't know people might have loved it they might have hated it they might have tuned out well, but they're going to get another one they're going to get another <laughs> one from you yeah. on what it's like to rip down Mill Mountain which yeah. is this, which is this great uh, series of trails right in the heart of the city of Roanoke hey everybody this is Dan Lucas one of the hosts of the Rider Up podcast I'm joined by my buddy Zach and we are here today at the Roanoke Star the largest man-made neonlit star in America, in the world, in America, in the world, in the world, we're going to say. And today we're going to take a little lap down some of our favorite trails uh, here in Roanoke. As you can see in front of me, downtown is right there. And we are on top of Mill Mountain uh, where said star is. So we're going to go uh, on a selection of trails. Uh, we're going to do Ridgeline um, down to Sidewinder, and then we're going to take Wood Thrush out uh, down to the bottom of the mountain over in uh, uh, the little neighborhood down at the bottom of the mountain. So let's get going, I think. You ready for this? All right. It's a nice warm day, fairly warm day. It's kind of cold with the wind blowing, but uh, we're going to see how this goes. So Zach's going to lead the way and uh, we'll get right into it. I'll try to uh, narrate our ride down. Now we're at the top. There is kind of a little bit, yeah, sure. Uh, we're gonna go, you know, a lot of people are hiking and biking and walking around up here, so we're gonna take kind of a little locals trail and just come through the uh, field here. Now we're gonna start down the old road, but we'll quickly turn off onto a trail called Understory. Whoa, (laughs) a little foot down action. Oh, we got some hikers. Hey ladies, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing well, thank you. 
Now Mill Mountain is multi-use, so seeing hikers like that is not unusual. Gotta be careful, it's everybody's mountain. Here we go, here's some of the slow speed rocks. Now we're gonna cut onto a trail called Ridgeline. Real short, but super fun. Couple tight switchbacks on this guy. Great place to practice. Now, getting down here, we've traversed a couple small trails. Come out to the uh, giant bikes here at Mill Mountain. If you come up to the top of the mountain, you'll see them. That is a Monument Trail comes out and then this is the the Blue Ridge Parkway with the spur for the Blue Ridge Parkway um, and uh, next we're gonna go down one of our favorites which is called Sidewinder it's good yep. bring any water. I have some old water from <laughs> from Wednesday <laughs> um, yep yeah, good so we're just gonna keep rolling. One continuous clip. Foot out, flat out. <laughs> Trails are looking good. They're pretty grippy. A um, little bit of leaf litter, but a lot of people have burned it off for us, which is good. <laughs> a little bit too zesty on that. Now there's some really good burnt in lines on this trail. Big rocky portion. You gotta hold on and point her straight and try to make sure you don't get bucked off. It's basically all rock. So it's kind of like a, a big pile of gravel and it drains incredibly well. So it is a excellent trail. If it's raining in Roanoke, you can get out, Ooh, stump, you can get out and still get a ride. All right, coming up to the trail intersection for wood thrush. Now you get to hear us breathe heavy for a few minutes. All right, now we hit the point in our ride where you gotta climb, there's no two ways around it. I haven't ridden this way in so long. 
Yeah. I mean, it's probably been a year since I've gone this way. Maybe not that long, but it's been a long time. Uh, stop for a sec. <sighs> Let's do this thing. Lead the way. Noisy brakes. <laughs> Careful when you're coming into this. Many a people have gone into that tree. We're here. Whew. No mountain trails. Best ridden with the buddy. Oh, yeah. Best best practice is half hours when you're done. So that was it. A rip down mill. Hope you enjoyed it. This is once again Dan and Zach with uh, Cardinal Bicycles and the Rider Up Podcast. Have a great day. So I gotta say, if you wanna see the video that goes with Dan's amazing audio that we just <laughs> listened to as he ripped down Mill Mountain here at Virginia's Blue Ridge, uh, we have, uh, we're putting together a series of videos on my uh, YouTube channel, which is called Biking for Boomers. Biking for the number four boomers, and that will be posted shortly. And you can see what Dan was seeing as he ripped down the trail and created that wonderful narrative. So, Dan, thank you for that. My pleasure. Anytime I have to ride, uh, you know, for work, I, I count that as a, a bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you've got the dream job. Uh, it's you, uh, it's not bad. I, <laughs> I enjoy my job, but enough about me and my job and my riding. Okay. All right. I think we should talk about because. Um, you know, I don't know if this is part of your job, one of your perks, but you just seem to be on vacation all the time. And uh, and you were just in vaca vacation in Key West. I was. So um, I know you have you did some reconnaissance. I did. I had a, I had an, epif an epiphany while I was in Key West. Um, and and let me tell you that all I wanted to do was just go rent a cruiser bike and cruise around town. But we were there, my wife and I, with two other couples. Um, two of whom are bike riders and two of whom are not. 
and the non-bike riders were scared to death of the, of the traffic. <laughs> oh, no. So we never did get on a bike. Uh, we did kayak a I lot. I saw some photos, yeah. yeah. We, we kayaked in uh, John Pennycamp State Park in Key Largo. And I got see some to, manatees? We did see some manatees. Uh, we saw some manatees in the Wikiwachi River, which is up in uh, more like along central Florida on the Gulf Coast. So I did get some kayaking in because these folks like kayaking. That was really a, a lot of it. It was rec- very recreational sure. kayaking, but, um, but it was a lot of fun. But here's my epiphany. I'm in Key West, and everybody is on an e-bike. Everybody. I, I, you, I probably saw, just by my eye, two to one or three to one people riding e-bikes around town as opposed to the cruiser bike, you know, beach cruiser bikes right. that you would you would think of or, or on a traditional road bike, which was almost none. Probably. None. Yeah. Right. And but here's my here's my thought on that. The people riding the e-bikes like, you know, you and I are both into cycling. Right. People listening to this podcast are probably very much into cycling unless they really like <laughs> us. But I, but I think what they like is bicycles. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we have opinions about e-bikes. Sure. I would say that 95% of the people riding the e-bikes in Key West don't have an opinion about e-bikes versus regular bikes. They just wanted a bike that was easy to ride yeah. to get somewhere. Are they? Do you think they're commuting or they're just enjoying the... You know, like I would say a lot of them were tourists, but some tourists, of them were okay. locals. But okay. these are people like riding on sidewalks without helmets. Yeah, you know, doing doing all the Man. things that I wouldn't do. Yeah, I feel right? like uh, e bike is definitely the area you want to probably put a helmet on if you get rolling too fast. Well, yeah, you know? right. But I mean, you know, a lot of these bikes had throttles. Yes. Yeah, but it, it, to those people for whom cycling is a way to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. The e-bike just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the, they they don't they don't know anything except that it's easier for them. They don't they don't worry about the weight. They don't worry about the components. They don't worry about if they're damaging trails. They don't worry about uh, them versus traditional cyclists and any sort of rift there. They're just trying to get somewhere on a bicycle. Yeah, and 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 so when you take all of the issues out that traditional cyclists have had as e-bikes have sure. drifted into our world um, you can just see the joy that people are having on the bike or or just the functionality the functionality yeah right yeah and at, so so are they teaching us a lesson about ignorance the way is bliss <laughs> ignorance is bliss right yeah so so but but i mean maybe Maybe we just need to be more open-minded about e-bikes. And when and when you take when you take uh, bicycle opinion out of the equation, people are just drifting towards them. Yeah, you right? know, I was I was hoping for at least one like um, counter opinion email. Um, Ratteruppod at gmail By the way, if you yes. want to if you want to throw that out there, um, but I, I got none. I get mm-hmm. no no counter opinions on e-bike. Um in right. in the folks I've talked to, it's 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 very pro e-bike. I think I don't think there's I, I believe that the opinions have vastly shifted over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I know there's people out there that, are, that aren't mm-hmm. stoked about it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um so once again, please you know, pl- please tell me why I'm wrong. But um it's it's kinda cool. I I like that thought, like you know, uh 
are they teaching us a lesson? Like they're, they're using it for an intended purpose to get somewhere to do something. Now it is a little bit different because they're not riding mountain or they're not riding. So there is no major trail impact. No. Right. No. But there's um, none that I know of. Yeah. Now, that I've witnessed. There, because there we were, some, I, I mean, I, but there may be trails there, but those yeah. weren't the people I was seeing. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, I think it's cool. I think it's a, an interesting thought and a way to look at the whole, you know, the whole, not problem, mm-hmm. the whole uh, discussion about e-bikes. Well, and of course, when you talk about greenways, are, are people riding too fast because right. they have this mechanical advantage? Or if you talk about trails, are they are they going to rip up the trails? Yeah. Or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and we talked about this on the last episode. Right. It comes down to, well... It's it, technically it has a motor, and where do you draw the line? Right, where do you draw the line? So because you don't you don't want motorcycles out there on bicycle trails, mm-hmm. and so is, is it going to drift to the point where people have so much advantage that they're just going to tear up the trails? Yeah, that I mean there are there are all kinds of arguments along those lines, but for people who just want to get somewhere, mm-hmm. they get on a bike, they're they're wearing a ball cap, and they just go to the store. Yeah. And they're, they're not thinking about it. They're right. just looking for an easy way to do something, right. which is human nature. Yeah. Right? They're not, that wouldn't, they probably wouldn't describe themselves <clears throat> as cyclists. Yeah, just, yeah, commuters. Commuters are yeah. people who don't have a car that need to go to the store or yeah. need to get across town or go to work, you know, whatever it is. It's so, an interesting ongoing discussion. Opinion. It's yeah. an interesting ongoing discussion. And right. I, I did see, I just wanted to say, I saw an article today. Um, and I don't remember the website it was on, but it was it made me laugh because it was a uh, uh, a gentleman, and he the 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 heading was something along the lines of, "I've seen the future of e bikes, in uh, and it terrifies me." Uh huh. And uh, and I just kind of skimmed through, and and he was talking about how they're basically electronic motorcycles that are going to be going to be used to. You know, uh, it's it's going to change the way traffic patterns go, and all this th- these detriments to society. It was um, it was an interesting take on mm-hmm. on the opinion about uh, uh, you know well, against e-bikes. No. Anyway, you could take, I just thought you it was pretty funny. You know, I mean, mopeds didn't do that, right? Right. I mean, they They're, didn't. Yep. They they haven't changed society anyway. Enough right. about e-bikes. Enough about e-bikes. Yes. Um, so, um, all right. So, I want to ask you about mountain bikes because you know we're coming up on a new model year for bikes they're probably starting to drift into the shop and so the bike companies will be talking about all the new technologies that they have and why you should upgrade from your old bike and and why you should buy their bike versus somebody else's bike um but when you look at a mountain bike and you want to ride let's call it east coast riding Okay, Roanoke is pretty typical. I don't think Roanoke is significantly different than, say, Vermont. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be riding on a rocky, rooty trail in the woods and with some elevation gain, some uphill and some downhill. Um, what, what do you really need? How much, how much, let's start with travel. How much travel do you need to ride around here? It's an, um, interesting, an interesting question and one that I think working at a shop – talking to people and listening to their uh what their problems are and how they want them solved here you know with a bike um what i typically do is first ask you know ask them what what they plan to ride so not everybody's answer is the same so we're just going to go ahead and take uh, a somebody who is looking to ride generally like mill mountain most of the trails at the cove is not afraid to climb up and go down some of those big ones like you know say gauntlet or something like that Mm -hmm. 
there's kind of there's there's two answers I'm going to give you. Okay. One is um, you know how new are you to cycling? If you're fairly new, that person I would recommend a hardtail automatically. Um, the reason being is if you are a newer cyclist, a hardtail will stop you from creating a lot of bad habits that a full suspension can give you. Um, hmm. So. Case in point, a lot of times when somebody is riding, they just go ahead and buy their full suspension bike. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's plenty of people who buy a full suspension bike. They don't develop bad habits. I do recommend a little bit of coaching. Um, if you do just go that route, that's just that's not okay. directly related to this. Right. But I do recommend it. Um, however, one of the bad habits is not paying attention to where you're going. So if you get a modern trail bike, let's say 130 millimeters of travel, and it's a 29er um, wheeled bike. This is rear travel or front um, travel? Let's, it, let's just say both, both. Full, okay. full suspension. Okay. And you're, um, um, you're, you're rolling through the trail, uh, that bike is going to be able to absorb and uh, smooth that trail out significantly more than a hardtail, right? Just right. because of I would the think nature a beginner a, would want that. So yeah, but what happens is is they don't pay attention to the trail, the features, and their speed. They they just know they can go over it. So they point and shoot. It's that you know it is monster trucking at its finest. They just go over everything. Ah, now a okay. a hardtail bike doesn't allow you to do that. You need to be more choosy about your line, and you need to be smart about where you're placing the tires, how fast you're going, um, and making those choices on the fly. And I think it will ultimately make you a better rider, um, especially if you're brand new and you've never done it before, to start out on something like that. Um, this is once again. This is my opinion. Um, All right, well, and it's less expensive too. It, it is less expensive. It level, is, right? um, and so. so you can, you know, some people. What I will suggest is, um, if you were well, you know, planning on spending three grand or plus on a full suspension bike. Um, you don't have to spend that much on a hardtail, but get the one with the nicer components, like the nicer draft train or fork, or it has a dropper post. Um, and that will enhance your riding experience. And when you can outride that bike, when you decide that um, you have, it g has given you everything it's able to, you know, you think about upgrading. Um, you've, you've taken some classes, you have progressed past what it's a, a, a able to provide. That's when you upgrade. So okay. that's one of my answers. Okay. That's, I, I'm gonna think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that. Okay, because That's you fun. want you're trying to coach somebody up, and yeah. I want someone to just throw their leg over their bike and have an easy, enjoyable experience so they keep riding. Got it. So the second, you okay. know, the in uh, that's the that's the coaching me. I always want people to be better on their bike. Right. Right. I, I want which them to have the tools. Which they, they should. should. They which should. They should. And and there's you know there's ways to go about this. You don't have to do it this way. That's just one example. The other the other like if there's a perfect bike, let's say you're already riding or you're not just a beginner, you're looking to upgrade and just get a bike that is like a do all a quiver killer is what they call this uh, um, bike for the Roanoke area and surrounding. Um, I think um, something a full suspension bike. Um, I would say 140 millimeter, 140 millimeters 
is probably the sweet spot, I believe. So it could be a little less, a little bit more, you know, front to rear. A trail mm-hmm. bike would be the category that I would suggest. If a I was trail get, bike. A trail bike, yeah. So that's typically um, 120 to 150. 50, I guess that's kind of the category now. And these are all fluid categories, but that's right. the general travel range you would look for in a trail bike. Um, and there's a bunch of great examples. Um, I'll give you one that we have here, the Stump Jumper. The standard, not the Evo. There's two models, the, the Stump Jumper and the Stump Jumper Evo. The regular Stump Jumper, it's a 130, um, 130 millimeter travel trail bike. It has a little bit more... Um, uh, steep geometry. So a um, for for those of you who don't know the geometry. If you have a downhill bike, it's going to have very slack geometry, which means wide the front, angles. front wheel sticks out further from the it frame. Does. The head that's, the head tube slack. angle is going to be slack. So sixty three is a slack head tube angle. A stumpy. Uh, a regular stumpy is going to come with something like 65 to 66 degrees, something in that area. And what that does is it translates into a little bit snappier bike, faster steering. It's going to be a little bit more um, uh, maneuverable. And that's perfect for this area. So that right. kind of 130 area is, is, so, is so, what I'm so, going to say. So my Santa Cruz tall boy is yeah. that. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. a cross-country bike. It is a trail bike, John. Trail bike. It is a trail bike. Cross country is typically uh, about up to maybe 120 mils, but around 100 millimeters is usually cross country. It's a trail bike. It's It's a a trail bike. But what happens is, is if you have that straight up and down geometry, like we just talked about, and then you start going downhill fast, the bike can't keep up with the speed. Correct. That's when you want that front wheel way out in front of you with that slack. Yeah, so um, a slacker head tube angle, mm-hmm. a longer wheelbase um, right. gives you more stability. And um, typically that's paired with a shorter stem, a little bit of a longer reach. I'm gonna go into <laughs> going into too many details here, but um, that would be a bike that would be better suited to, to downhill. It's gonna have more travel. Mm-hmm. And then as the, the reach shrinks, the head tube angle decreases, um, and the bike becomes a little bit more maneuverable, usually the suspension travel also decreases. Okay. The problem with that slack geometry is if you're going like on a steep uphill and it's slow, yep. the bike is wobbly yeah. and it's hard to control. You get that flop back you and get forth. That, right. Yeah, and so, so you tend, tend to like have to put your foot down or, or whatever. So that's that's why all bikes aren't like they, that. They're all a compromise. Everything, everything is like a canoe. Everything's right? a canoe. Every, yeah, every, absolutely. A canoe, yeah. right? The more banana shaped it is, the more it pivots Tippy, on its yeah. middle yep. so you can go through whitewater. Mm-hmm. But then you try and go across a lake in that boat and you just zigzag the and whole you just way zigzag yeah. because you don't have any tracking mm-hmm. right or or the uh, the other thing that i think of is short skis versus long skis can't help you there okay so <laughs> well long skis are more stable just like your long wheelbase okay. and short skis are all over the place gotcha right? and well, of course and skis have, have changed over the years but um you know i used to ski as a five foot eight person on skis that were 203s because they were long and and slender and they you know they tracked really really well right and Tom's but doing if, uh, hand right. motions but if I wanted to go ski in moguls or bumps I wanted short He's skis short to skis. do tight okay. turns right. okay so so it's yeah. kind of the same thing on a bicycle yeah I would agree it's okay. a compromise um 
and uh, you know, a long wheelbase slack bike. It's hard to get around corners. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it the the steering flops around when you're going uphill, but when you turn it downhill, it comes alive. Like they just want to go fast. And that's what you ride. That's what I ride. That's what you ride. Okay. Yeah. You're listening to the Rider Up podcast presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, and uh, we are recording today at Cardinal Bicycle and Grandin Village location in. Roanoke, Virginia, the uh, Star City, and the city around which Virginia's Blue Ridge is based. How about that? And so, uh, well, this is, uh, we've had several episodes. I want to just let people know that if you're just, like, new to the podcast, we've interviewed Amanda Coker, yep. who is the world champion uh, for uh, the amount of riding in one year. She averaged 240. 30 miles a day, a day for a year and broke all kinds of records. And, and we have talked to folks with uh, Team 2024, which yep. is based here in Roanoke in Virginia's Blue Ridge. And we, uh, we talked to Cane Creek Cycling Components and got did, the yes. in-depth, inside scoop on a lot of cool products and things that are yeah. happening here in our region, um, yeah. down in, just down in North Carolina. Yeah, so if you're, if you're just kind of coming along and saying, hey, look, a bicycling podcast, what else have these guys done? We, you know, we've got some access to some people, and and we've had some great interviews uh, today. You're stuck with with me and Dan, but <laughs> uh, but uh, we just we're really glad you're here and that and that you were listening, and uh, and we hope that maybe you'll come and and check out our, our local riding because we're pretty proud of it. We'll get back to the Rider Up podcast in just a moment, but first, a quick note about Virginia's Blue Ridge. You'll hear Dan and I talk a lot about Virginia's Blue Ridge in the podcast because. That's where we live and ride. Virginia's Blue Ridge offers what we lovingly call a Metro Mountain Mix, a place where you can play in the mountains while enjoying the arts and culture in and around Roanoke, Virginia, home to many museums, restaurants, festivals, shopping, and so much more. We hope you'll bring your bike, go for a ride, and check out all the region has to offer. Go to visitvbr.com for all things Virginia's Blue Ridge. And, of course, you can listen to the Rider Up podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast. And we would appreciate it if you would give us a, a nice little review or a five-star rating or whatever it is that your local app, that the app that you choose uses to grade podcasts. Because um, you know, we know there's a lot of places that you could listen uh, if you want to listen to people talking about bicycles. And we're just glad that you're listening here. All right, Dan, what are we going to talk about next? So, so I, I don't know if we, if we covered the perfect bike. Let me tell you this. When I, when I was, last time I was buying a mountain bike, I, I was kind of looking at it from my roadie perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, all right, well, how much technology am I buying here? So I was asking questions like, how much does the bike way and how much travel does it have and oh if i spent this could i get another 10 millimeters i didn't even know if i needed another 10 millimeters of travel and once i got on the bike i never thought about these things again Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know but when you're buying the bike all these things seem so critical right right and and i knew that i wanted a trail bike trail bike because i'm not a big downhiller anymore (laughs) Uh, i don't think my bones can survive many more impacts with the earth so what you know when when people are looking for a bike, they come into a shop like Cardinal. Do they ask those same kinds of questions? A hundred percent. They like do every single day. And, every day. And okay. Like, so I'm not stupid. No. And ultimately, or maybe I am, but I didn't know it. And maybe not on this topic. Okay. But ultimately, <laughs> what we need to do when somebody comes in is we're trying to solve the problem of what would fit their riding best. So. Um, 
we're going to ask you questions like, um, do you, you know, where do you plan on riding? If there's somebody who's already ridden, they may have some ideas. If they haven't, they might just be like, oh, I just want to, you know, get out and check out the gravel or I want to hit some beginner friendly trails or whatnot. And um, we're going to ask them, you know, we'll eventually get to budget. That's really not uh, pertinent um, in the beginning. But we're going to talk about a bunch of little things to try to boil down all this information kind of to a couple areas and figure out what's going to fit them best and make them most happy. My ultimate answer to this is um, ride what makes you smile the most when you're out there. So for me, it's um, out. Is it the perfect bike for the area? Probably not. I ride usually long travel stuff and they're heavy and they don't climb super awesome. But I have the biggest smile on my face when I'm ripping down the mountain. So that, that's what you want. Ultimately, that's what works best for me. There's a lot of people I know that would not be caught dead on the bike that I'm riding because it's not the right bike. And I'm doing air quotations air here. Quotes. Um, it's not the right bike. That's not the bike for Roanoke or this area or whatnot. And ultimately, I think if you um, if you're using absolutes, that's that's a quick way to um, that's a, that's a quick way to uh, to to alienate people. You know, from from that opinion, like there's no perfect bike. There's the perfect bike for you, there's and you just got to figure you. that you, out. You yeah. got to know what that is. But so. and and a lot. But all right. So let's say that you are me or me 10 years ago mm -hmm. and you are not a uh, entry-level cyclist i mean i i raced some sport mountain biking back in the day when everybody had 26 inch wheels yep. and you know i was mid-pack but but i mean i you know i could ride a mountain bike okay um and so now i've got my four thousand dollar bike mm -hmm. four thousand Four thousand for, okay. for my tall boy. Okay, all right. But I want to upgrade. I don't even know why I want to upgrade, except for the whole n plus one thing, where n <laughs> is the number of bikes you currently have, and you always want something better. You always need more. And so, let's say that I've I've got some budget, or my bike is getting a little tired, but I don't want to just transition. I want I want to move up. Mm -hmm. What do I look for now? Am I, am I looking for? like carbon fiber versus my aluminum frame? Am I looking for a better fork? Am I looking for more tunability? You know, do I want a Ferrari of mountain bikes? Right. Or, I mean, what, Man, what, that, do, what do I want? That is, um, <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, we have to find out, we, that is why, um, that is why asking you a lot of these questions that don't necessarily pertain to riding specifically can get us pointed in a direction. Well, here's what I think I want. I think I want a lighter bike. Okay. I think I want more travel because that translates into more comfort, but I also want to be able to turn off, especially my rear travel, mm -hmm. so I can climb. And I want that to work. Mm -hmm. And I want really cool, shiny components that people are going to ooh and ah over in the parking lot. All right. I have the bike for you. You have I the bike what for it me. Is. Okay. Now, so um, there's, a, there's a famous quote. I think it was Keith uh, Bontrager said, light, strong, and cheap. Uh-huh. Pick two. Pick two, right. Um, and that is kind of, that's something to take into a shop when you're looking at bikes because you can't have all three. Okay. Um, and you need to decide what you're looking for. If you're looking for a light carbon fiber bike, has the best suspension package and is going to, um, you know, tick most of the boxes that you're looking for, 
probably not going to be cheap. Um, okay. Let's you, say I've got some budget. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So um, what I would point you to, like what you're saying to me right now, uh-huh. there's a bunch of cool technology, some of which we're going to talk about in just a second. Okay. Um, and uh, I would kind of point you towards a high-end um, trail bike, like I said, like the Stump Jumper. Uh, it's going to be carbon fiber. It's going to w- w- like weigh next to nothing. It's going to have some cool technology in it, like uh, the SWAT box, for example. And uh, multiple other brands have this Santa Cruz and Trek that you can open up. It's just a hole in the down tube, and it it seems silly. Why would you put a hole in a bike? But you can pop it open. You can put in jackets or food or water or whatever inside that SWAT box. Um, The suspension is typically going to be nicer on a bike of that level. Um, You can have stuff like electronic shifting, which um, makes your life a lot easier. I have have that on my road bike. It's fantastic. I've got it in my Pinarello. Um, I love it. And uh, and then ultimately things in um, the suspension package, like either predictive, um, you know, predictive suspension might be an option at certain levels. Um, and also just the package of the damper itself uh, is going to be um, significantly better. And you're going to notice a difference on the ride immediately just because. So it's, it's going to feel smoother. It's going to feel smoother. Okay. It's going to work um, better. It's going to feel um, like the, the it'll feel tighter. I don't know how to, how to say that. Like it, 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 there's less slop in the system. Like it's just a finer level. It's a more of a top shelf product. So all right. um, now, is all this stuff going to be delicate and and have no. to be serviced more often, or am I going to break it? Um, if you if you ride the wrong trail, potentially. But if you're riding it as intended, um, and you're using the product as intended, no, it's going to have the same shelf life and service life as anything else. Okay. Um, you know, for example, electronic suspension or sorry, electronic um, draft trains. Yeah. Uh, Axis is my my choice, the SRAM Axis package, and it's it's bomb proof. I have you I, you should see it. I'll show it to you later. Uh-huh. There's scars all over it. I've bashed it into rocks and hit, and it still shifts incredibly well. And you go through water, and it doesn't mess it up. Uh, no, I you know I've I mean, washed crossing it. the creek, yeah, yeah. that kind I, of stuff. I've gone through deep water. I've washed yeah. it, you okay. know, soap and water on, uh, you know, when the bike is dirty. Um, totally fine. It it has a pretty good IP rating, which is the way they rate electronics and water ingress. Uh-huh. Um, Anyway, it's 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 like a it's a fantastic package. So all these little things, you know, like you said, the the suspension travel, the material, the weight, the you know how the suspension acts, all those things um, are going to go into a buying process. And we want to give you the details if you want it. Some people don't; they just like I want one with two wheels and it shifts and it stops. Like that's what I want. What's the most expensive mountain bike you have in the shop right now? Ooh. Retail, ballpark. Um, we what? have the Canevo um, Expert, which is a carbon fiber e-mountain bike, uh, long travel e-mountain bike. And it was probably brand new around uh, 14000 Okay, that's an e-bike. An How e-bike? about a non-e-bike? Um, non-e-bike, um, we probably have an S-Works out there somewhere, probably in the realm of like eight or nine. And what would that weigh? Depends on the, like, if you're looking at an, um, like an S Works Stumpy's probably around 24 to 26, depending wow. on the, 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 the fit out. I've built, I built a fantastic friend, um, of the shop here, um, wanted to, to do the Leadville and I built him a custom bike and I got it down to, uh, 22 pounds. It was an epic, 
um, race and it full had suspension 29 full suspension 29er yeah yeah wow where did it you get most of the weight savings wheels incredible. Uh, so the frame is all, all, uh, ultimately extremely light yeah. Um, wheels yeah he went with a really nice set of uh, control SL carbon rims um, he did titanium cranks the uh, King Creek e-wings okay um, electronic shifting that that's can be marginally heavier but we got them the lightest package we could um, the cassette is a huge weight savings if you get a finely machined cassette so a lot of SRAM's cassettes are really like they mill out the internals and it's one piece it's beautiful yeah. and uh, they're light <clears throat> um, tires we saved weight on tires he is a race bike so we went with uh, real thin um, fast rolling tires so there's less rubber less rotating mass sure. um, you know obviously carbon bars things like that so yeah, we, it wow. was just uh, you know, very intentional about the choices and how we put that bike together. And I mean, if you want to if you want to you want to pay, we can get it light. We can get it fast. It, it we can, can make happen. it. Yeah, it can happen. And uh, if you don't want that and you're just looking for a way to get around, we can do that, too, because sure. it's not all about the money. It's about your enjoyment. So if it's uh, getting you to work or if it's getting you just down the trail, that's that's what we need to do. No, I love it. I mean, and that's that's the right attitude to have if you're a bike shop. All right, so let's talk about industry predictions. We've talked a little mm. bit about technology yeah. today, and we and, 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 some know, of that some of that has <clears throat> direct uh, correlation to what I have written down right, here. So, what what do you think we're going to see in the next year, next five years? So, um, this is I love this topic, and I read a lot of industry newsletters and stuff because it's really cool to see and uh, so I think about you know what are we gonna what are we gonna have what's the next hot thing or the the cool technology that's coming out and the first one I have on the list today that we're gonna see I believe in the next five years um, like realistically in shops is 3d printing of some sort um, and of that's going to be for, um, so I'll get to that in just okay. a second. Right. That will have um, impacts not only on service, but also um, in manufacturing. So okay. currently, um, like, for example, Specialized makes a saddle. It's called the Mirror, mm -hmm. and it's 3D printed. I've seen one of the those. The saddle is printed. Yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. wild looking. If you, if you cool. don't know what it looks like, look it up on the internet. It's crazy. Um, so that's a 3D printed technology available today. Um, <clears throat> there's a number of bike brands, one specifically Atherton. That's the one I remember first. They started 3D printing the lugs for their carbon bikes, but they're, they're 3D printing those lugs out of titanium. It's like an ultra-fine titanium powder. Mm. And they're, they're creating the lug, and then they're bonding in carbon fiber um, tubing and it's it's incredible like the 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 shapes you can get the the um, control they have uh, 3d printing this is is amazing hmm. um, there's another company called mythos and they're 3d printing carbon uh, stems there I think they're the first companies to do, to do that and they look machined almost because they have all these swooping turns and edges um, that you would be able to get with like a you know like a Haas like a five axis machine or something like that, but mm -hmm. this is three D printed, and my opinion is that eventually the service department um, uh, will have you know a three D printer in the back of the house somewhere that can in you know three D printers can do different materials at carb, the bike shop carbon yeah at the bike shop um, for things like spacers or um, air volume adjustments for uh, you know a fork or something um, 
uh, small parts, anything that is a licensed piece to like, let's just take a fork, for example. So let's just say Fox. They say, okay, these are the machines we want you to have. He, you can access the files here and the file can only be printed on our software. So you put all that in your, in your 3D printer and they're pretty open source. So they'll accept that kind of stuff. And then, oh, you need this special token. You can buy it from us, or you know, if you just want to print it for the customer, a couple hours, you can print this piece and you know, get the customer on his way. Or maybe it's a, of a travel change um, piece for the, uh, the damper or, or the air spring. Or, can people trust this? <clears throat> I think so, yeah. Really? I, I think so. I mean, and this is, I don't know this is, this is coming. This is my prediction. I, I think. Yeah, I trust some engineer that I don't know in a faraway state. I mean, they're doing it. They're, they're making right. plastic pieces now already. I, I, I know they are. But it's like, okay, but do I want my local shop guy, does he have the background and understand the technology enough to put a plastic piece on my bike that's not going to break well, and make well, me crash? Well, we go to school for all sorts of things. And so <laughs> and I'm just like, playing devil's yeah, advocate. Yeah, no, I you get you. That, right? We go to we go to school for all sorts of things to to learn um, in the, this industry. It's there's always a continuing education. I think this is a logical step. Like if you like, this is the now culture. We need it now. We need it mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. Like Prime. I want to pay whatever it is a year to get my stuff the next day, even though they don't sometimes come the next day. Anyway. You know, you want you want to download your movie instantly. You want to go on and, and watch your watch Netflix now. Mm -hmm. um, you want to have the whole series available at your fingertips. This is the next now thing. I think we're gonna see. I think three okay. D printing right. is gonna be how many years? Uh, I say we're gonna have one. I say we're gonna have a three D printer in Cardinal. I'm gonna guess five years. You're because you're a big bike shop. We're a fairly big bike shop. You're a yeah. big bike shop, so yeah, I would think for the that, area, yeah. especially for Roanoke, right? Um, so I would guess that you would be leading edge with respect to we, this. We want to be, yeah. you know, we want to be mean, leading edge. If this is something that the industry ad adopts, then you know we want to be able to give the customer those things if they if that's what they want. You right. know, we'll have to wa right. watch the market, but obviously, okay. So yeah, what so else? That's, what else that's, do you think is coming? So. Um, the next thing, I'm going to jump around a little bit because okay. I think this is um, pretty cool. Um, there was a patent that Fox, suspension company again, um, released, and it is for a decoupling um, drivetrain. And the reason that this is cool is because um, when you're riding your bike, yes. uh, a full suspension bike, and you're going through bumps and you're riding downhill and you're doing turns and things, your chain's on there and it affects how the suspension feels because there is uh, friction or there is drag in the system because of the chain. So when the suspension moves, it's not just perfectly up and down, it, it kind of rotates uh, depending on the bike and yeah. the suspension linkage and, and things like that. And um, it can give you things that are bad, like uh, this is a just a, a, a colloquial term, but it's called brake jack. And it's that feeling of your suspension being harsh when you're braking while the suspension is compressing. Okay. 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 And yes, I felt it, that. It, there, it's a harsh and it's kind of a awkward feeling, especially if you're setting up for something that might be a technical move, right? So decoupling the, um, let's say the cassette um, at the hub will allow won't allow that to happen so your your suspension will remain active while you're riding so your feet are on the pedals even though the chain is on the bike everything's still hooked up um 
releasing that friction will reduce the opportunity for brake jack. It will reduce the opportunity to have that suspension feel awkward while you're riding. And it seems like a really small thing. And honestly, it's not something that I feel like I think about too much. Yeah. However, I know what the feeling is and I know what the feel, what it feels like to happen when you're trying to concentrate. So will, will that be like just a Fox thing or will that be in so all mountain bikes I think at some point? Fox is, is obviously like they're a suspension company. Right. They want their suspension to be the best, feel the best. I think this will be a supplemental product to enhance what they have. So their shocks or their forks. You think it ever comes a time where guys <clears throat> like me walk in and say, what's the bike weigh? How much travel do I have? Am I going to be concerned about this particular decoupling thing? Uh, or, may, or is that just going to be a happy benefit that comes along uh, with me buying you know, a better suspension? For a suspension? while, this is trickle-down stuff, yeah, obviously. Is, that's so what I this is, this is going to be a race-oriented thing initially mm-hmm. for you know cross-country or downhill or whatever. Probably downhill more likely. But um, it'll eventually trickle down. Same thing with electron draft trains came out of cross country and uh, the need to to have less going on and and be lighter and be faster mm-hmm. um, and so all this usually comes out of the race world and trickles down I think this is something that we'll see I think it's a cool technology can I ask you just a real world question yeah because you are so deep into this technology I'm a nerd and, and I'm and I'm trying to uh, uh, and I'm trying I'm following you this is very helpful to me I think it's interesting but when I'm done riding my bike and it's muddy, can I take it to the car wash and wash it without completely <laughs> screwing it up? Um, because I do. Oh, man. Okay. You're uh, going to hate me for this, right? Because so I know don't, don't you, put the pressure points yeah, on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So but if, I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, but the mud is going to do more harm than the, than the washing, in my opinion. Got it. Yeah. I, so can you? Yes. Should you? Like I, I, uh, what's going to happen is this, like, you know, not to point it at your, your wipers, you know, not to point it at your bearings, they're still going to get what, like washing your bike too much is bad for it. Okay. But what, you know, so you've got all of these pivot points on a full suspension bike and they are full of mud when I get done, Uh, even though I try not to. I'm hoping that they're full of grease, but they're coated with mud. (laughs) Well, when I look at it, all I see is the mud. And yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. all right, that grit's going to get down in there, yeah. and it's going to do bad things. Can, can it? Yes. It can absolutely do that. And I'm not saying don't wash your bike. Okay. You should absolutely wash your bike. Right. Um, the the thing that scares me is just car wash, the, the words car wash, because that's typically high pressure. You want low pressure. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, as long as you, you are using low pressure on your suspension components and your, um, and your bearings, it's probably fine. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to, glad to answer. And I'm going to look, I want to talk about one more industry prediction that I have. Okay. And then, um, and, and then we're going to move on. And, and, this, then, and then you've got a really fancy looking tool here. I have two tools looks, today. It looks too expensive for me to it have is, in my it garage. Is, it, both of these were incredibly cheap. You won't believe it. Okay. okay. All right. But first, the last thing, the, my, my industry prediction I'm most excited about, uh, excited about is self-charging systems. So now when you what? have a bike, okay, yeah. just wait. You, you, okay. Like, let's say you buy an e-bike. It, we're going to use the e-bike because it's a little bit more, you'll see. Okay. So your e-bike's running low on battery. What do you do? 
you plug it in. You plug it in, right? Yeah. What uh, your e-bike with electronic shifting? It's running out of battery. What do you do? Plug it in. You plug it in. Right. Your your GPS watch is running low on battery. You plug it in. And plug it in. Your phone yeah. is running low on battery. Your <clears throat> whatever, uh, like every. What am I going to walk so around with a solar panel on my head? Electronic, just this way. There's so many electronics on your bike. You got to plug them in. You okay. got to charge them. I am the worst about that. I will go on a ride and my my axis is flashing red, and I'm like, can I make this ride happen? with the amount of shifts I have left. I'm like crawling up the hill. What do you have, like 100 gear. shifts when that starts I, happening? It, I don't even know. I think you, I think with my with my road bike, I get when it starts telling me I have 100 shifts. Yeah, so I, I'm like crawling up the hill, just like suffering, just trying to make sure I can get home. Anyway, right. I think that we are going to see, and there has been some patent information about this, but we're going to see some self-charging systems. Um, I'm going to plug that I'm an F1 fan again because they have a system on the F1 cars. It's called KERS. And basically what that is, is a uh, it's a it's a system that recharges um, the battery in the car rotation from the tires the energy yeah, so from the tires it's, okay. it, it, it's it's this it's it's based around the fact that energy can't be created or destroyed but it can be converted like infinitely okay? sure so usually when you're braking you're converting mechanical energy into heat energy so like right. on your your car or like on our mountain bike right, right. so we're clamping down it's creating heat and that like that energy is turning into heat and then it's just it's dissipating right sure so um, what I think we're gonna see is a way to recover that energy um, and use it to charge things like your derailleur maybe not your e-bike battery but you, you know your derailleur your other small batteries on the system uh-huh. potentially like if you have a, a GPS or something plugged on like a Wahoo or a Garmin or whatever right maybe it could it could be charging things like that and that's a technology that's pretty far off. I think that's more of a eight to 10 year thing. Maybe not, but um, I think we're going to see something like that, whether it's in a hub or a derailleur. And the patent that I saw is, is a derailleur, like a self-charging right. derailleur. Right. And I think that's super cool because we want to solve problems. We don't want to create problems. And, and we've created some by having to plug your derailleur in or take a battery out and charge it. Would this be a wireless recharging system? Because I don't want um, another wire running to my Garmin. You know, who knows? Maybe who knows? at some point. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. But I do believe that, uh, you know, at least in the initial stages, yeah, you're going to have to have stuff wired. But yeah. w- how nice would it be to just put it on the bike and you start riding and it's, it's, it's always charging. there. No, yeah. that would be cool. When you break or when cool. you're slowing down, you know, I don't uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. So I don't have to wear a solar panel on my hat or on my helmet to, I think to get you this probably to should. I think, think that would be a good look. Yeah. <laughs> You'd love to take a picture of me and uh, look at look at my roadie friend John walking walking around with. We'll a, get you uh, one of those goofy hats. Okay. Just hang tight. All right, you're listening to the Rider Up podcast presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge. John Carlin, along with Dan Lucas, and Dan, it's tool time. It is tool time. <clears throat> I've brought in, I've brought in, I have you brought in. I've brought in you two tools to look at today. Uh-huh. And we've been listening to your advice. I've talked you a say, lot. And you I feel say like Broughton. Broughton. I don't I don't know that you have any credibility left. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. What have you brought us today? I've brought you two tools to look at. So the first one is ready, readily available off the shelf, and I think it's super important for the uh, shady tree mechanic and the professional. Like more, you know, more often for the professional. But right. what this is is a set of uh, uh, calipers. Calipers. And uh, what these guys, these are like machinist calipers. These are digital, which is really nice. And what's cool about these is, in mountain bikes, we have um, the industry has decided to create. A bunch of standards and they're complicated um, and uh, like seat post sizing or stem sizing or whatever it's, mm-hmm. it's complicated it is and so sometimes 
um, it's very nice because uh, the manufacturer prints the size or diameter or whatever it is on the object, but a lot of times they don't. They don't. And You're how right. do you figure that out? Yeah, this. Th- I'll tell you when this comes up for me. And please forgive me because I know you're a bike shop and I buy local whenever I can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's say I want to order a carbon fiber seat post sure. for, my, for my bike. Yeah. And I'm online. And it's giving me all these different sizes. And I say, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what size seat post I have. It's the seat post that came with my bike. Right. So that you would use your caliper to measure Absolutely. It, so, right? you okay. know, typically you can pull your seat post out and a lot of times it is printed. Sometimes it's not. It's, it's just not, I don't know okay. why manufacturers do the things they do, but an easy way to figure that out is a caliper, and you just, um, you know, there'll be a photo in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can set it up to millimeters, that's typically what most people use, you can set it for standard as well, and then you can figure out the inside diameter, outside diameter, um, you know, distance, like you can use the other end here that slides out as a mm-hmm. depth gauge. They're just an invaluable tool. This is probably a $20 set of calipers on Amazon or something. Okay. Um, it's what a fantastic brand, tool. I don't even know. If, can you pronounce that? V-N-C-A? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We can take a picture of it. Okay. These are ones I just stole out of the shop. They're probably, they're literally looking at me right now. He's, uh, my buddy Zach's waving at me. He probably He's wants like, he these needs calipers. You need to um, broaden it over to him. I will broaden it over to him. <laughs> bring it, bring in, it in over to him. In just a few minutes. And then the, really quickly, we're talking about 3D printing. Yeah. And this is a tool that I have 3D print. I have it 3D. I have a friend that 3D printed this for me. What is it? This is the Lucas Tool 9000. Okay. The Lucas Tool. Look, it All even right. says that on it. It says it on there. It was custom made. Okay. So this is an example of why 3D printing is going to work. So what I, we have designed here. It's a piece of, for people who can't see, it's a piece of purple plastic. Yep. That's very thin, like a big poker chip with a rectangle coming off of it. Yeah. So what okay. this is, is um, we're going to use this in our, our new rental program, but what is designed to do is to measure the sag of a of your, your fork or shock and that's important because when we set a bike up we want to make sure it rides well for the customer who's mm-hmm. going to take that out mm-hmm. this is a tool to get us to the correct sag numbers based on on the fork that they're riding um, or the correct sag on the shock that they're so using is this something you invented or did you just copy a this, tool that's already out there believe it or not there's a reason it's called the Lucas tool uh-huh. and it's because it came out of my twisted brain. <laughs> so, so you stick that somewhere in the bike yeah. and then you sit down on the saddle and it tells you how yes. much sag there is. Correct. In, your in the system. Yep. So, so what would happen is you would sit on your bike um, yeah. and we put air pressure in the shock to base the sag because it's based on body weight. Right. And then where that O ring lands, uh, it it, it yeah. will be your sag number. When you get off, we can put this on there and quickly measure is, you know, if it's hitting in that notch, mm-hmm. that's the correct sag. If it's not hitting in that notch, it's up here or down here. It's either okay. too much air pressure or not enough. And that's important because if it's too much air pressure, it's going to feel like you're riding a pogo stick. And okay. if there's not enough, it's going to, you know, it's going to feel like you're riding around like a, a, a waterbed or something. So I don't let's, know. let's do this. Um, uh, and, and we'll keep this in this podcast, but I'm not sure people can visualize what we're talking about. But we'll shoot a video. Okay. We can and do we'll it. put it on the Biking for Boomers channel. We can do it. And we will show people how to use the Lucas tool. It's, it's technically the Lucas tool 9002 because it's that's our third iteration. So. Uh, okay, we started so, with the 9,000. Okay, so 9,002 is the third iteration. 9,000, 9,001, 9,002. I wasn't the person that named it. Somebody else okay, named it, right. but um, that's how we did but it. So. Third iteration. Yeah, yes. You can't buy this. 
you you know what? Everything's for sale, John. Oh, okay. For so the you, right amount of money, you okay. too can own a Lucas Tool 9000. Lucas Tool 9000. I think I'll just take my bike to the shop. And let, all right. <laughs> we will, we'll, do a, we'll do a video of the Lucas Tool 9000 so people can, can see what, what it is you're talking about. That is really cool looking. And, and uh, um, I, you know, again, I'm all worried about my bike sag yep. for the first few times I ride my bike. And you don't think about it anymore. And then I probably go two years before I check the air pressure in either of my shocks. Yeah. I, that's, you should, I'm, you should I'm probably that guy. do it more often. I'm that Come guy. see me. Okay. <laughs> All right, I will. Well, folks, thanks. We've wrapped up another uh, hour or so here on the Rider Up podcast. We really appreciate you listening, and we hope it's been worth your time. Uh, this is We are presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge. We are in the western part of the state of Virginia. We're home to Team 2024, training Olympic champions for the on the women's side, and there's been a lot of success there, and you can go back and listen to back episodes to to hear more about that we're also uh here in virginia's blue ridge america's east coast mountain biking capital and we are uh the home to carvin's cove which is an amazing place to ride your mountain bike also mill mountain you heard dan mentioned morningside park which i have not ridden at yet maybe you can give me a lesson on well, how to we go over work jump. on jumps first yeah okay yeah without me killing myself uh, breaking my old bones uh, and we just really hope that maybe someday you'll come join us here in Virginia's Blue Ridge for Dan Lucas I'm John Carl thanks for listening